Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen, locked and loaded for episode 40. We hit the big 40. It probably doesn't mean anything out of the normal for you, but it sounds good. It's a nice round number, and we're glad to be here with you. We have more information ready to help you persuade with power, persuade with honor. Kurt, what's the latest? Hey, big number 4-0. Do we get to, what is the 40th? Is that donuts? Is that, you have to talk about food, right? Is that ribs? Is there like something you get for the 40th episode? There's got to be something. Let's go get wings this week. I haven't had wings in a while. Wings it is. So when yeah. you celebrate your 40th anniversary or 40th podcast, it's now been changed to wings. This would imply that we're over the hill and that there will <laughs> only be 80 podcast episodes, right? Oh, that's a good point. Well, we're doing yeah. the new extended living. That's not making any <laughs> sense. I guess we'll have to do it by week. So we'll have to celebrate. So this is a 40 week old baby. It would be wings, but then a 40 week old baby can't eat wings. So I'm, I'm, I'm lost. You're gonna have to help me out here. There it is. Everybody you've seen Kurt Mortensen hit the early <laughs> stages of dementia. Uh, it's in, it's hit me. Don't he's know clearly over 40. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I bet you feel really great that somebody who's losing it is giving you persuasion advice. There you go. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, wing sounds pretty good. I had a great tri-tip yesterday that I made for Mother's Day, which was delightful. It was a big hit, and I felt pretty special. Lots of points. That's good. I went for the ribeye, so I'm not sure which one would get more points. But as long as you're there, and happy Mother's Day, all the mothers out there. Hope you had a great day. And I served up, I guess we both went the steak route, which is, is that easier or just tastes better, or you just want it more in your life? Well, all of the above, right? A tri-tip is just really good when you get it nice and moist. And you've had tons of ribeye. I think you put ribeyes in the blender if you could. You're eating those a couple times a week. <laughs> well, it depends where you get them. Did you get the tri-tip at Costco? I mean, they're the place for the tri-tip. Yeah, I got it there, and I smoked it. I have a smoker out back now, and it was delightful. That takes dedication to smoke some. What's that take, 10 hours? <laughs> well, this was a quick one, but uh, oh, yeah. okay. I put it on Texas. in the morning. Yeah, To our Texans out there, I mean, smoking, that's a, you know, it takes a day or two. You have to be committed. I mean, these guys wake up at 2 or 3 a.m. to put the brisket on, right? They are. They're committed to their brisket. Why wouldn't you be? I guess it is. That's an art form. It's a science. And that's, hey, that's passion. Yeah, it is, which we'll talk about. But if you don't like brisket, then don't listen to the show. We haven't insulted anybody yet, but now we got the food category out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Well, it is out of the way now, so let's forge ahead with episode 40 in our effort to apparently try to get past 80 to prove that this over-the-hill concept isn't entrenched in everything in life, not just age. And we've got good stuff for you today as we continue forging into the world of charisma. We've all seen very powerful persuaders out there before, people that Walk into the room, you're excited to see them, you can't wait to hear what they have to say. They tell you to jump off a cliff and you'd say, no problem, and get right after it because they're so charismatic. So we want you to be able to understand that a little bit better and develop that skill because it can be developed. And you can actually be introverted and maybe not a super bubbly person and still be quite charismatic. I think that's a common myth, isn't it? It is. It's something that can be learned. That's what the studies show. And we all have certain elements of charisma, but the more we can add, 
the more people want to be around us, want to be influenced by us. We have that presence when we walk into a room, and it is something that's very powerful because people want to know the most important tool is probably charisma because once you have that, like you said, they want to be around you. Not that you want people jumping off cliffs for you, but (laughs) if you could have that influential power, that charisma, it makes a huge difference. Yep. Yep. It covers up a lot of other mistakes that you make in the whole persuasion process. People with charisma get so much more latitude than people who who just don't have it. We can name politicians, which we won't, that had charisma, that got away with a lot, that do get away with a lot. And a lot of it is how likable they are and how charismatic they are. Very, very true. Well, we're going to get an article first. This is a geeky article moment brought to you by me, by Steve. Oh, there we go. Whew. Yeah, it's we need to turn. give you a break once in a while. Take <laughs> off that pocket protector and uh, kick back, okay? You there geek. we go. I'm, I'm all ears. Uh, <laughs> teach me. Yes, yes. Article from HBR, Harvard Business Review. I like these, as you know. I, I subscribe and get a lot of good information from them. And it's a pretty good little quick article. I'll post a link to it on the blog about getting your point across. And it starts with a pretty interesting paragraph, and I'll go ahead and read it. Of course, crediting Greg McEwen, who is the author of the article over at the Harvard Business Review. He said, Mr. Frost, my superb economics teacher in England, once shared the story of two people talking about a lecture given by the late Milton Friedman, the father of monetarism. That's a school of economic thought. The first said, 20 years ago, I went to the worst lecture I've ever heard. Friedman gave it, and I still remember how he just muttered on and on, and all I could make out was the word money. The second man responded, if you can remember what the key message was some 20 years later, I think it might have been the best lecture you ever heard. And isn't that the truth? How many times do we go to lectures or seminars or listen to things that we just don't even remember any of the details later on? So getting your point across and having that stick is very key, especially with the limited attention span that our prospects have. So the author gave a couple of points as to how to more effectively get your point across. One of those points he makes is you can't communicate what you haven't defined, right? So what is it that you're trying to achieve? What is it specifically that you want the audience to do? And what are the benchmarks along the way? Sometimes we just assume that the audience knows what we want them to do, and we don't clearly define it. We don't have a clear call to action. And that's one of the methods. So what do you want your audience to do? That's a great point because a lot of times when you're doing an influential presentation, whether it's one-on-one or over the phone in front of an audience, the call to action is what everybody does last. Now Mm -hmm. you deliver it last, but you should create it first. What do you want your audience to do? What do you want them to remember? What is your call to action? What is your close? Whatever you want to call it, that should be created first and the whole presentation is wrapped around that. So do it first. You deliver it last. It's created first, then that makes a huge difference when you're creating that whole presentation. That's right. The second point of the article is lose the slides and have a conversation. And I can't tell you how much I agree with this one. How many times have you been in a presentation? And it doesn't have to be a big group with a PowerPoint. It could be just a salesperson with a little flip chart or some kind of visual aid. And they just robotically go through this and they have to turn to every slide because that's what they're supposed to do. People just check out. But when you can have a good conversation heart-to-heart with the person, that's what people remember. And I got to tell you, too, with the slides, what I've noticed a lot of times, if your end result is you want to persuade, which we've talked about this before, when is it not? But people just sit there writing. They're working so hard to write down the slides, and they're never going to look at their notes later, by the way. Mm -hmm. When does that ever happen? (laughs) And so they're not really paying attention. They're not engaging in the emotion of the moment. 
Whereas the guy that gets up there with not a lot of slides or the one that doesn't even really follow him that well, but he engages the emotions of the audience, he gets his point across. They remember what he wanted to achieve. And I've seen PowerPoint destroy so many presentations, but it's such a great security blanket for the presenter. All the notes are there and how great is that? And I can read off the slides, but the PowerPoint becomes a presentation and the presenter's lost. So I would agree, nix it if you can. If you have to use it, at least use the blank button or, or put in a black slide so there's times where you're face-to-face, -face, you're communicating, you're connecting versus the audience so concerned about what to write down next and not looking at the presenter. Agreed, agreed. They are a distraction more often than not. When you can use them to, to tell a story or show a funny cartoon or illustrate a point, you're right, they're backing up the natural flow of the conversation that you're having with the audience, then it can be effective, then it can be memorable. But when it's like you said, it's a crutch, and the person looks like they wouldn't know what to do next if they weren't able to click that slide <laughs> yeah. and see what's going to come up. Now you've gone overboard, and your PowerPoint's more of a hindrance than it is a help. Not only that, it's an insult to your intelligence. Like, I can read the slide. Why are you reading it to me? What am I, two? It's a bedtime story? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, and people exactly. don't realize that. Like, I can read, especially college students complain about that all the time. The professors just read their slides. They're like, just mail them to me. I'll read them. Oh, why no you, kidding. Why are you what am I doing here? Yeah. Yeah, well, we talked last time. Professors are... Uh... Not doing so great these days. The lady that taught the, the wrong class for the whole semester. Yeah, not too good. Oh, geez. Absent-minded professor, quite literally in this case. So let's go to our third point, and there are a few other things that I didn't cover in the story. And like I said, I'll put the link to the blog, which, by the way, check it out, MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, give us good reviews on the podcast. Or you can listen at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. I just say, please, 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 please. I was doing the law of begging. The law of begging. <laughs> we haven't got to that one yet. Oh, okay. I just made it up. It sounded good. That's the one that you use last when everything else hasn't worked. Yeah, it's your last resort, the law yeah. of begging. Please, yeah. officer, please. There's, there's a relationship between how much you use the law of begging and your success rate, and it's not a good relationship. Yeah, it's going to help. Hurt more than it helps. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Although, well, I'm not going to go there. So let's go to the, our next one. <laughs> Being repetitive without being boring. You need to repeat the point in a bunch of different ways so that it sticks. But it's so funny. You do these presentations, and we all know that in the campaign of Bill Clinton back in the 90s, he had that slogan of keep it simple, stupid, right? And if there's just one point that you can get your audience to come away with that they remember for a long time, I think you've done a really good job as a speaker, don't you? Absolutely. And Clint was good at just kind of transferring those feelings to the audience. And it's important when you're when you're talking about repeating that you could repeat three or four times, but make sure you repackage it. You can tell the same thing in a story or a statistic. You tell it in an example or an analogy or in a video, anything. As long as you are repackaging it while you're repeating it, that makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And that will get the point across effectively. So be sure to check out the article. Like I said, we'll post it there on the blog and... Send us your your thoughts on it, your feedback, and your derogatory remarks to maximize your influence at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So let's get it a little bit into this. We mentioned at the beginning of the podcast today, we want to really start delving into charisma. You've met charismatic people in your life. Seems like they always get what they want. Seems like no matter what they undertake, they're successful at it because they 
know how to deal with people. And we had many episodes ago Jerry Clark on as a guest on the show, and he has a lot of great information about personality types. And he has a quote that I love. He says, your product is people. Learn more about people than your product, and you will make millions. I think is a great quote because that's what does it. Learning how to work with people is the biggest barrier. So you've got Jerry's quote, and then you have the one that uh, we used a few episodes ago from Jerry Seinfeld. So Jerry Clark and Jerry Seinfeld, (laughs) where Jerry Seinfeld says people are the worst. (laughs) (laughs) And ironically enough, Jerry really knows how to work the room. He's quite good with people. He's very funny. But we're going to talk more about that today, getting into the components of presence, right? That dynamic force you feel when somebody that's charismatic walks into the room. And that first component of presence is passion. To be an effective person, to be an effective charismatic person, an effective persuader, you have to have passion. So what if you sell life insurance (laughs) or work at a mortuary? Is it possible to be passionate? Well, I'm sure there are people that work in those industries that are passionate about the product. Do you have to really love the product that you're selling in order to have passion, Kurt? If you want to have a good life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, it's, life is so much easier when you're passionate about something and you love something and you know it's changing lives. It just makes a huge difference. Sure, you could persuade people to buy something you don't care about. If you have that thing that you really love, it just that transfer of energy just makes it so much easier for anybody that's in persuasion. Who was it? Some predominant sales author said that that's what a sale is. It's a transfer of energy. Or, or did I make that up? Jerry Spence talked about that. He's a lawyer who's never lost a case, but he talked about that passion, that enthusiasm, that energy. It's a transfer. It is. And it's more important than product knowledge because passion more than anything else will recruit the hearts and minds of the people you're talking to. Sure, product knowledge is important, but this transfer of energy gets people excited. They want to know more about it. In fact, when I was researching the laws of charisma and, and administering these persuasion IQs, you'd see two persuaders with about the same persuasion IQ score. Same lead, same product knowledge, but one was doing two to three times more sales than the other. And a lot of times it came back to passion. They loved what they were doing. And there was that transfer of emotion, that transfer of enthusiasm, because it stimulates the imagination. It motivates people. It's just that presence when you walk in the room, people gravitate to that passion. They absolutely do. And I I saw this contrasted very effectively because I had a pretty rough experience at the airport over the weekend. I was over in Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, working with some clients, and I had to catch a Saturday evening flight to get back to Salt Lake City. Now, geographically, Colorado Springs is not that far from Salt Lake City, right? I mean, this is 340 miles, maybe, tops. And I got to the airport in Colorado Springs at 2.30 p.m. on Saturday, and I think you won't be surprised to hear that I was able to arrive in Salt Lake at 11 a.m. on Sunday. (laughs) Kind of a rough deal. (laughs) Did you walk? (laughs) (laughs) It felt like it, but massive delays. It was funny. I'm going to pick on, to a degree, the TSA for just a moment, and I know that's just too easy, right? Steve's going to take the layup here. It's a illustration right there. Yeah, right. It's an illustration of the difference in passion, right? I went there on Saturday and you know how if you've ever flown through Colorado Springs, it's not a big airport. There's maybe 15 to 20 flights a day going in and out of there. And I go into the security concourse and TSA had me outnumbered 17 to one, right? 
So it was pretty secure. 17 TSA agents standing around on a Saturday afternoon, which I'm going to get my little dig in on the side here. The rest of the day, there was one flight to Denver and one flight to Houston scheduled. And there are 17 TSA agents on staff. So you can take with that what you will. Anyways, I'm going through and my stuff's on the x-ray machine. It's going through and this guy's looking at it like I've got about 50 grenade launchers jammed in my suitcase. And there's nobody around. I'm thinking, please, somebody else show up so this guy can have something else to do. Because I'm the only thing happening around here right now. Well, they finally pull my laptop bag out. And I'm standing there and he grabs it and he comes over to me. (laughs) Keep in mind, they've got me outnumbered 17 to 1. And he looks at me just dead in the eyes. And he goes, is this yours? (laughs) I look around behind me and I go, it would appear so that that is mine. (laughs) You got to be careful what you say because you might get in line for the full cavity. Yeah, I've learned that. What you want to say and what you really say in a situation like that are two very different things. You're true. And so I thought, you know, you're going a little far here, Steve. You know, you don't want to smart off to power hungry people. So I laid off and it was a rough situation. Well, I told you I didn't get to Salt Lake till the next day. That's because I ended up having to spend the night in Colorado Springs. Well, the next day there was a lady working the conveyor belt and she's laughing and talking to everybody going through. How's your morning? Now, where are you off to? Oh, well, you're luckier than I am. I'm doing x-rays all day. And she was the funniest lady. Everybody was happy to be going through airport security at that time, which I mean, that's kind of a miraculous feat, isn't it? And if she's just very passionate about working for people, she's making that job fun for herself and fun for everybody else around her. I hope she gets promoted as far up as she wants to. But somebody with those kind of people skills, you wonder how long they're going to last at TSA. Whereas you've got somebody that's just dead in the eyes. So sometimes maybe passion is just working with people and being able to help them and to serve them. And that might be your passion. If that's the case, you can make it work at TSA. That's the point I'm trying to illustrate. But it would certainly be a lot better if you had a product or service that you could believe in. And that's part of your presence. When people leave your presence, are they happier? Are they smiling? Are they feeling better about themselves? And we can't confuse passion with hype or just raw excitement or even extra caffeine or too many Red Bulls. I mean, this is coming from within, and your audience feels it. Not like that puppy that's just bouncing all over the place. Because when your audience senses that it's fake, that it's hype, it'll have the opposite effect. So if you can tap into your true passion, it'll influence other people. And it's just something about that that people want to be around it. Even sometimes if they don't believe exactly what you believe, they like to be around passionate people. What can you do to make that passion come out a little bit better Without creating, like you said, that that uh, feeling of, oh, this is just too much too fast. I got to take a shower, right? This guy is just horrible. How do you get that happy medium? Well, first of all, you're right on passion is charisma. And when you transfer that passion, the people absorb that energy. And again, they want to be around you when you've tapped into that passion. And some people, well, how do you tap into that passion? What is that passion? And those with passion increase enthusiasm, a lot of times just by gaining insight about their product or service, getting that true belief, that conviction, they know that it works. For example, customer service, it's very difficult for them to be passionate many times because they don't hear the 99 success stories, they just hear the people that are upset and want their money back. So sometimes in customer service, you have to get the testimonies and train them and show them why people love their product or service. Even with salespeople, sometimes that happens. So if you can really get in front of the product, get knowledge, a lot of times if you can be sincere in your interactions, 
always enhance your people skills, being authentic. Confidence is all part of that. But truly believing in what you're doing and and how you're helping people. And sometimes that comes down just to product knowledge and knowing what it is and understanding the testimonials instead of always getting stuck in the people that maybe are being negative or want to refund. But you remember it's human nature. We've talked about this, that if you have 10 compliments versus one negative criticism, we always get stuck on the negative versus the 10 positive. Right. I I found that whole concept that Tony Robbins advocates, can I, the constant and never-ending improvement. When you're always learning more about your product and trying to become an expert in it, and you take pride in solving those situations, that passion comes through, but it's a chicken or the egg thing. What's going to make you want to take the time to do that? And you should really evaluate your professional situation if you're going, I just don't want to take any more time to learn about. Maybe it's the pharmaceuticals that I'm selling, or maybe it's this advertising package that I'm selling. If you just don't have the desire to do it, I mean, what's the point? I don't imagine we have a lot of those kind of people listening to this podcast. It tends to attract people that generally like what they're doing and they want to get better at it. They want to persuade better because they like it. It's They're passionate about it. So I think it's going to be tough. Like you say, if it's a, a product that you just can't get on board with. Last week, we told people to get divorced. This week, are we telling them to get to quit their job, or what are we doing here? <laughs> That's a decision they're going to have to make. And like I said, if you don't believe it, and you're not passionate about it, it's not changing lives, you're just going through the motion, in a lot of ways, that's going to rust your soul from the inside out because we're humans. We need goals. We need to be passionate. We need to be optimistic about the future. We need to be serving and helping other people. I mean, that's, that's the life that really makes it worth living. And if you don't have any of those, I'm sure that you're not listing A, because life has already sucked the energy out of you. You don't believe in personal development. You're just going through the motion, waiting for retirement. If that's your thing, I guess that's your thing. But passion just really makes life worth living. It really does. It really does. If, if you can get some kind of a living where you're excited when you wake up in the morning, that's how you know when you're there. If you're going, oh, not again. Probably not something that you're going to be able to get some long-term passion about. So the uh, quitting the job, the getting divorced, the just the advice <laughs> that's going to shake your life up totally just continues to come in the podcast. <laughs> well, okay. Anything else you want to add about passion before we move on to our blunder? As long as you're enthusiastic and you believe in your product, that could be good enough for you. Sometimes passion is like sculpting. Sometimes we're just getting a little closer. We're trying to find that exact thing we're truly passionate about. Sometimes we experiment with different tasks and topics. Sometimes we think we're passionate about something, we try it, and we're not. But if you can just get out there and find out what you're passionate about, read a little more, do a little more research. But here's the key that's really important with any product, service, or anything that you're doing. This is what I want you to take away today. When you're giving a presentation, when you're talking on the phone, when you're talking to somebody face-to-face, the question of the day is, are you singing the song or are you singing the words? Meaning, are you just going through the motions, doing another presentation, talking to another person? They can sense it. Totally. Your prospect knows. Yeah. Or are you singing the words? Does it feel to your prospect that it's the first time you've ever given this presentation and they know that you believe in it and they know it's going to help them and they know it's going to change their lives? Sometimes we've all got stuck in the rut. I've done it too to where you've given a presentation so many times or you've prejudged them that they're not going to do it and you just go through the motions. So ask yourself as you do these presentations and you talk to people this week, are you singing the song or are you just singing the words? Yep. Agreed. Well, that's good information, everybody. You've got to sing the song and not just the words. Otherwise, 
If your income is connected to your ability to close sales and persuade, well, if you were a stock, I would go short. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kurt, cue up Homer. All right, Homer, bring it. Don't, don't, don't. All right, do it. All right, this is a good one. And I'm going to use some names. This is an article that was online. Because it was online, I feel good revealing the names. But this is about a pushy salesperson. And if you get the end result that this salesperson got, you are officially Homer. Don't! You are a massive blunder. I'll read to you uh, from the article here, Kurt, and you, you can tell me what you think about this. All right. On Monday, Santa Quinn resident Lindsay Teeple said a saleswoman named Jessica Hurd with Advantage Wonder Cleaner told her she was selling cleaning supplies, was inside her house within a few minutes. She just walked in and I moved to the side and she just walked straight to my living room, Teeple said. Hurd started cleaning the windows. She then went into the bathroom and sprayed and wiped down the shower. She did all of this without asking permission, Teeple said. She walked right into the shower and started spraying the shower. She'd kind of seen my whole house. Teeple said Hurd only left when she paid her $40 in cash. A few houses down the street, the same woman targeted another neighbor. I had my door just barely open while talking to her, and she sprayed under my door, so she tried to push my door open, and I closed it again. It took Savage telling the woman to leave several times before she finally walked away. Sergeant Rodney Hurst with the Santa Quinn Police Department said that what Hurd was doing isn't illegal. He explained the sales tactic. Once they make the entry, then people feel more obligated to listen to the sales pitch, Hurst said. It's a sales tactic, but it made the residents uneasy. And it goes on to say, you know, this police sergeant talking about, well, it's not illegal. Well, it should be in the persuasion universe, right? I mean, that's just ridiculous. You got a physical entry. I don't know what I'd do if this lady came to my house. You got people paying her to make her leave. Maybe that's the overall tactic here, right? <laughs> yeah, just sit on the couch, turn on the TV and say, whenever you get the 40 bucks, I'll leave. <laughs> yeah, or well, as long as you're spraying the shower, do the rest of the house. Just clean yeah. my house and I'll pay you, right? <laughs> I had one of those people do that to a spot on my car, and I had a spot on my car for the longest time because they only did one spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jeff Foxworthy did that uh, that whole routine he came famous for. You might be a redneck, right? Well, you mm. might be a blunder if your prospects call the police on you. <laughs> yeah, just slightly. So I'm sure they had three, four calls. They must, she must have been pretty aggressive. Yeah, yeah. She needed some money. She was forcing her way into people's houses. That doesn't end well if you force your way into my house. Probably the same thing at yours. <laughs> yeah, that's just something that's very aggressive. That's uh, very hard closed with the reciprocity. And you know what? These people, it works every once in a while, and they keep doing it and keep doing it versus getting more tools. We well, get those pushover people that just go along with it, and finally they're just like, here, take some money. I want you out of my house, right? That's that line between the law of expectation and assuming the sale and breaking and entering. There are two differences here. Yeah, When you're grabbing someone's wallet and assuming the sale, it's a little bit different than assuming <laughs> they're going to pull it out themselves. That's where we draw the line. Yes, that's where we draw the line. <laughs> Cutting edge information on the podcast for you here. Bet you didn't know that before you tuned in. Yeah, that's a new one right there. Cutting edge research. Yes, that's right. That's right. So there you go. Uh, her name, what was her name again? Oh, Jessica Hurd with Advantage Wonder Cleaner. Did they prosecute Cleaner. her or how did it end up? Or they just said, get out of our town? I don't know what happened. It sounded like the uh, the cops just said, well, it's not illegal. Yeah, it's annoying, but it's not illegal. It's a little breaking an entry. If you're not giving someone permission and they're pushing their way through spraying things. Yeah. There's got to be something there. <laughs> There's got to be. I don't imagine that she's knocking doors down in Santa Quinn anymore. All right, there you go, door-to-door -door people. Don't go barging in. Yeah, cross it off your list. Yeah, that cross cool. it off. Well, good. 
Once again, everybody, thanks for listening to the show. We're going to, to wind it down here. Maximize your influence at gmail.com. And on the blog, we have our, uh, our special still for the Advanced Influence series. Feel free to click on that. And we still would like you to nominate ninjas. They are hard to find. I guess that's why you're a ninja. They're you know? out there. That's right. But yeah, if you have the Persuasion Ninja, we'd like to recognize them and have everyone learn from them. There you go. There you go. So that's it for today. Anything else before we shut her down, Kurt? Hey, passion recruits the hearts and minds of your audience. That's the logic and emotional side. It works. Crank it up. Sounds good. We'll catch you next week, everyone. See you next week.